Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, Cougar fans? BYU played Boise State last night, and is guess what? Still undefeated. Not only are they undefeated, last night they were basically untouched. Shep is out today, but we're not wasting any time today to bring in a pinch hitter, one of my all-time favorite people, host of BYU Sports Nation, amongst many, many other things, Spencer Linton. He's live from Boise right now. Spencer, thanks so much for being here. Oh, Lauren, you know that I would never turn <laughs> invitation That's how amazing <laughs> right now. Come on. I Frankly, know. I wouldn't if BYU were losing every game, because that's how much I love you, but this is... <laughs> Is extremely special, so let's do this. Let's do it. Spencer, has BYU silenced the critics after the game last night? Well, he has added, or be he, they have added fuel to the fire for uh, guys like Kirk Herbstreet. In fact, I just listened to Herbie go off about how impressed he is with BYU. Some serious praise for the Cougars following their big win against Boise State. And he's got other people thinking... Why not BYU potentially to that fourth spot in the college football playoff? This is no longer about whether or not BYU is New Year's Six worthy. This is about whether or not BYU actually has a resume to get into the college football playoff based on what they did against Boise State. The conversation has officially gone next level. It's insane, but I think this is what every BYU fan needs In an imperfect 2020. This is the perfect season thus far in an imperfect 2020. I agree. There were a lot of blue check marks tweeting about BYU last night. It was fun to watch. However, Boise State, and you you did hear this, and I'm sure you thought it during the game, Boise State was playing their third and fourth string quarterback. Uh, Their their backup running back. They were missing one of their best wide receivers. However, BYU did put 51 on the Broncos' starting defense. So how do you balance those facts and the hype after that game? Boise State's offense didn't give up 51 points to BYU. So there's that. Uh, Maybe they score in the 20s, even if they got to the low 30s with Jack Sears, the USC transfer quarterback in who left the game early. Um, And I know that they were down. This is not the typical Boise State. They've only played two games. But you know what? They they still shouldn't give up 51 points to BYU if BYU isn't the real deal. So I heavily weight what Boise State did in response to BYU, handing them adversity early. And keep in mind, Boise State dominated the ball control in the first half. Like mm-hmm. They had the ball what felt like forever. Mm-hmm. Still led by 13 at halftime made some incredible adjustments and a huge, huge credit to the the BYU coaches for making those necessary adjustments at halftime and really getting things going in the fourth quarter. And then there's this, Lauren. Remember a year ago when BYU was two and four, hosting undefeated state (laughs) and BYU off a loss to a terrible USF team. They Mm -hmm. had no mojo. They had... Two injured quarterbacks. So Baylor Romney is starting at home. And the Cougars are starting their fourth string running back, Sione Fino. And they beat Boise State. I am not having it from any Boise State fan or any national pundit that's like, well, Boise State, they didn't have their best players. 
Uh, BYU's without Matt Bushman, too. So they're down there, best player overall. And they figured out a way to do it uh, on offense and have all year. I mean, BYU's still dealing with injuries. And I, I don't want to hear it. Like, this is not the time for Boy State to complain about we had to play our reserves and our backups <laughs> because BYU did it against this team last year and won the game. Yep. And they won the game. So we uh, have quietly, or not so quietly, been reminding people on social media of that very fact. Oh, I'm sure you, <clears throat> I'm sure you have people coming at you right and left, Spence. And you love it. You welcome it. Because that's Embrace how much confidence you have in this team. Confidence. <laughs> so the, the you mentioned injuries. Zach Wilson got most of his offensive line back last night, which significantly helped. But Zach Wilson, Spence, is this guy for real? Is he for real? I think he just solidified himself as a legitimate, not just first-round pick. I think he now is a top-20 pick lock in the first round of the NFL draft. Hmm. It is highly entertaining to watch all of these NFL draft analysts and scouts just drool over this kid on social media. And frankly, in person, I think I saw an NFL scout from every team last night, all watching specifically Zach Wilson warm up. It, it, the hype is, is real, but the delivery and the performance is matching it yep. week after week. He shows up every week and through some just bonkers passes last night my favorite play of the game other than the Tyler Algier 86 yard run to open up the scoring for BYU was when Zach Wilson literally waved Gunnar Romney open he's <laughs> he's back there rolling to his left and it's like I got nothing open so he looks downfield and backyard football just waves Gunnar Romney to the back corner of the end zone and says hey bro I'll throw you open just go that <laughs> and launches it and throws a dime. It was, it, I was laughing. I was laughing <laughs> as I'm watching this, you know, unfold before my eyes. Um, I've watched uh, Gil Brandt this morning, who was the former VP of personnel for the Dallas Cowboys in their heydays, and they had Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman. Mm-hmm. He was in the show for the Cowboys uh, dynasty in the early 90s. He's, when he's saying Zach Wilson is a legitimate first round pick. And Dane Brugler, uh, who is one of the most respected NFL draft analysts this morning, says he's a top 10 pick. It's just people are now buying in and they should. He's he's set a BYU record. His pass efficiency uh, was over 200 for the seventh time this season. He's this is remarkable what he's doing. And I talked to Zach last night. And what's crazy is he's so level headed about it all. He just he just is uh, even keel and handling the praise with kind of a grain of salt and takes the time, you know, to respond to everyone and answer things sincerely. He's just, he's just built differently. Mentally, the kid is just on another level and I love it. He is so, he is so confident. And that's funny you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that. I know you talked to him and I was seeing some of the responses he was, giving people on even Twitter last night, yeah. which which a lot of, you know, players stay off Twitter for good reason. But he's responding to almost everybody. You have Jimmer Fredette saying, I want to be Zach Wilson when I grow up. And he's like, oh, man, thanks so much, you know. And I'm sure that's, <laughs> I, I don't know, got to be messing with his head. But Zach Wilson 
seems inhuman at times. What how, what types of things has he said to you in some of your discussions? Well, first of all, last night, I mean, I just had a conversation with him on camera and off camera about how he manages all of the pressure, you know, he, he, whether it's highs and lows. And I think I'm even more impressed with how he stayed dedicated to the craft when everybody was talking about his inconsistent play and, Oh, maybe he just doesn't have it. And he's got a sophomore slump last year and 11 touchdown passes and nine interceptions. And he's throwing all these pick sixes against Utah and Toledo. And he handled the adversity and, the criticism so well last year while he was trying to recover from a significant offseason shoulder surgery and he breaks his thumb but BYU has no option other than to rush him back from a broken thumb and still not healthy from a shoulder surgery because the other quarterbacks are injured Jaron Hall's out with concussions Baylor Romney had turf toe last year right so Zach coming in late in the season trying to put it all together and he never used it as an excuse hmm. never not one time did he say well you know i'm not playing well because of this during the off season he said oh, i was certainly affected mentally by it you know he's like it's hard to be confident in your abilities when you're not healthy and so now he's experiencing that confidence again because he is healthy but he never used it as an excuse and he just it was like he fueled his fire he's just mm-hmm. like you know I don't deserve the praise. I got to get better. Um, and the praise is coming now and he's genuinely grateful for it. But again, it's just not too high, not too low. He kind of reminds me of Steve young that way. Hmm. Um, I, and I think that's really special. So BYU fans enjoy this because you know, you have Zach for three guaranteed more games. They're going to play in a bowl games, so probably four. I know some people will be like, what if they play two games in the college football playoff? Then it'll be five. You know, <laughs> three big, okay? Uh, but enjoy the ride. Enjoy every throw and enjoy every moment. Enjoy the hype. This is, it's insane. It's remarkable and it is it is peak, peak oh, yeah. BYU football. Only four times in the history of the story program have they gone 8-0. And here they are right now with one of those seasons. Incredible. And everybody pray that Zach Wilson stays healthy he really is doing something special. He he broke another BYU career record with his eighth game at 200-plus in pass efficiency rating. The guy's doing some incredible things. Spence, if BYU has a flaw right now, what is it? Well, they've got me as a broadcaster, and I just made a mistake. <laughs> no, you well, corrected me. game's over 200. It's eight, so thank you, Lauren McLean. <laughs> and I need- place i'm gonna chalk that up to only five hours of sleep in boise okay <laughs> hey i didn't um, even catch it you're good you're good <laughs> a flaw um i don't know if it's so much a flaw as it is they're just a little banged up um and specifically in the secondary like byu missed zane anderson a little bit last night and, and when i say a little bit the team did a good job of covering up for it they actually miss him a lot he's really smart and athletic it's going to be great to have Zane back as one of those smart veteran captain leaders in the, the defensive secondary, um, especially against, you know, what we think is going to be a really high level team in a big bowl game. Mm-hmm. So they're a little thin in the secondary and they showed a little bit of, you know, and this happens to a lot of teams of immaturity late in the game when you're up big and you get a little bit lazy 
you know, so Boise kicked an onside kick after they scored a quick touchdown. And then the next play they're in the end zone. Um, and, and then Kalani Satake was like, okay, we, we got to get this thing back in control. BYU is never in peril of losing the game, but they gave those two really quick touchdowns. And then, you know, it lit the fire in the coach. It, it upset him. It, it bothered him. He talked to his guys about it, but just staying in the moment and staying focused, even when you are unprecedentedly beating a team like that on the blue for the first time ever, maintain the composure, mm-hmm. maintain the discipline to stay in the moment and not just kind of coast. That's what makes Alabama so special. That's what makes Clemson so special is, and even Ohio state, the top three teams in the country, they, they maintain the discipline even when they are just dominating people late in the game. Uh, and they can do so sometimes with their third and fourth stringers like that, the, that level, and this is new for BYU. So I'm giving them some leeway. Like, like I get it. All fans are like, Oh, whatever. Two touchdowns, 51, 17. I don't care. (laughs) Kalani's working on that. So that, that can be addressed. Um, just cleaning up some of those details late in the game when when you're up big and people say act like you've been there before. It's <laughs> kind of along those lines. I've heard my dad say that to me my entire life. Act like you've been there before. If I get a good hit or something, I'm like, all right, <laughs> dad. So I I can resonate with that. But I I think you're right. That's the difference between uh, BYU right now and some of the the teams like Clemson, Clemson and Alabama. But this is this is kind of a new experience for BYU. Like you said, this has only happened a handful of times in BYU's history, so they're learning and they're gaining experience, and hopefully they can keep it going. So I saw after the game that uh, BYU and Boise State did kind of a group prayer after. What was one of the coolest things you saw or heard after the game from a coach or player, Spence? I loved my interview with Kalani Satake, who I asked him. He has a rule, Kay celebrate enjoy this winning is really hard at the division one level you got 24 hours so he gives BOA essentially a 24-hour pass to celebrate these wins and I asked him said look coach not all wins are created equally BYU's never won on the blue in Boise this is historic it was dominant do you enjoy this one for a little bit longer and BYU's got to buy next week you know it's like hey maybe we'll extend this free pass out to 48 hours of celebrating <laughs> said 24 hours Spencer 24 hours Hmm. and then he said what's cool is I don't even have to say it anymore you know honestly I walked in like when I was coming out to do this interview I looked in the locker room and I think that some of these guys don't even want 24 hours they're already watching the film they're already breaking down what they could have done better they got their iPads out they're looking at this and they're thinking about how do we get better and he said, it's the guys. At halftime, I walked in. We were up 16 to 3, and I didn't even need to say anything. I just looked around, and all of my guys, my captains, were taking care of it. That's this team, he says. That's this type of team. And I just left feeling so impressed with that type of uh, personnel uh, leadership in the locker room for BYU. So they, they didn't even need their 24-hour pass. They are, are ready to get better, you know, and they have a massive chip on their shoulder listening to people every week say, BYU ain't no good. They haven't played anybody. Like, this is all smoke and mirrors. And last night was an extremely vindicating moment for them, which was like, okay, we played 
the 21st team ranked team in the country on their turf. We've never won up here. And we just absolutely dismantled them. What's the excuse now? Why can't BYU be considered one of the best teams now? And I, I love that. So they, they don't have to revel for longer than 24 hours, um, at least not publicly. And they're on to the next. That's so cliche to say, but this is what veteran and experienced teams do. And I, I loved learning that from Kalani Sitake and that visual that was created when he was explaining to me what's happening in the locker room and why his guys are just built different. You live in the moment for 24 hours and then you got to move on. And, and you and I know that Kalani Sitake is one of the, the best men you will ever meet. That was a huge win for him. Where do you think that ranks amongst, among his biggest wins in his head coaching career so far? Oh man, no, no question. This is a top five win for sure. I, I know that a lot of fans will point to BYU beating Wisconsin in 2018 at Camp Randall as like that first whoa moment for Kalani. And then the road win at Tennessee in the miraculous fashion. The Rocky Top revival was fun last year. What he didn't have until last year was like a home signature win. And then he got that against USC. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, BYU won a big game at home under Kalani Satake. And then it was, well, he can't beat big time high level rivals. And he took care of that last night. And he beat Boise State on the blue. So for me, this probably ranks gosh, I said top five. I'm I'm thinking this is this top three. It's right there with Wisconsin on the road at Camp Randall and USC in Pro Bowl last year. This uh I'd have to kind of look at the details, but um it might be number one, Lauren, because of wow. what was on the line. Because of what was on the line. Mm-hmm. I, I know that and USC, those are name brand programs, incredible. Because of the pressure and what was on the line last night, New Year's Six Bowl game, college football playoff consideration, you got a Heisman contender that needs to play well, all eyes are on BYU, the nation was watching. That might be the biggest win in the Kalani Satake era last night. So it's not hyperbole for me to say that that might top the list. I think I agree with you because of what you said, because of what that win meant for BYU. That's one of the difficult things of being independent is you can have these big time wins and on a big stage and people, you know, are watching and stuff, but it, it doesn't mean much when you're, you know, you already have a few losses or something under your belt with the season. So I, I agree with you that I think this might be number one biggest win for Kalani Satake in his head coaching career. All right, Spence, one more question for you. Since you, uh, you're very familiar with the town of Boise now. You've been there a time or two. I've heard a lot of great stories from you of your time there. But this oh, yeah. specific trip, what was one of the best things you did in Boise besides watching BYU destroy the Broncos? Okay, so some of you listeners may be familiar with uh, those Lego stop motion videos that cre- recreate like these incredible sports moments, whether it be on the PGA Tour and the NBA and the NFL. And frankly, even for BYU, you know, the Mangum Miracle at Nebraska recreated with Legos, um, the mythical BYU Basketball National Championship that was made in April recreated with Legos. The guy that does that, that has literally become the most famous sports Lego stop motion creator in the world. His name is Jared Jacobs, and he is a Boise native from Canada originally, but he's been in Boise forever. Huge Boise State fan. 
And I spent a good deal of time with him on Thursday and uh, even a little bit on Friday morning uh, working through a wager. <laughs> <laughs> so uh-huh. <laughs> we, uh, we came to uh, an agreement that if BYU won, I get to pick a play from last night's game that he is going to recreate in Lego. Um, and they came through for me. And now we're going to have uh, one of these great plays, probably the Tyler Algier 86 yard run put into Lego infamy infamy uh, with, uh, with Lego stop motion. Awesomeness. I love Jake. that. Um, so that, that was a lot of fun. Um, spend time around him, see his studio, learn what goes into making those videos. You want to talk about patience and time requirement. It, it takes forever to do those videos. And so he's worth every bit of uh, the big time money that these leagues are paying him to make these videos. And I'm happy that I was at the uh, forefront of creating what's going to be the next BYU Lego unforgettable moment that uh, will, I'm sure, go Twitter and Instagram and social media viral. So look <laughs> forward to that. It'll be coming in, uh, in just a little bit. That is so awesome. You're like, which play is the longest play I could choose to have uh-huh. him recreate. Poor guy, Spitz. Come on. He, his Broncos already got destroyed by BYU, and, uh-huh. and you're making uh-huh. him suffer. I've heard him talk. I've heard him talk trash about how BYU's never going to win in Boise for long enough. <laughs> Absolutely doubling down on the longest play from scrimmage of the season. I can get behind that. All right, Spencer Linton, host of BYU Sports Nation, play-by-play and sideline reporter for BYU TV Sports, and one of the best human beings there is out there. Spence, thanks so much for being here with us and have a safe drive home, my friend. Anything for you, Lauren, my heart is full. All right, we'll talk to you later. Coming up next, I chat with Boise State football analyst Pete Cavender. You're not going to want to miss it. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. Even though BYU already played Boise State last night, we still like to get to know a little about the history of the Cougars' opponents and what makes their teams tick. Earlier in the week, I had a conversation with Boise State color analyst and former Bronco Pete Cavender about the Smurf turf, fan traditions, and if Boise State considers BYU a rival. Here it is. Let's uh, let's have you introduce yourself a little bit. You've been the Boise State football analyst for 12 seasons now. Is that correct? Yeah, I really have, and it's just time's flown by. So essentially, I played at Boise State from 2003 and 2007. I was part of the first Fiesta Bowl team against Oklahoma and uh, sat one season off as a fan, and then since then, I've uh, been calling games on the radio with Bob Buehler. Oh my gosh, so you've been there some great years with Boise State, some exciting years. What's one of your favorite memories of your time with the Broncos. Let's start with, with your playing years first. Well, the Fiesta Bowl's really, you know, top of the list. I mean, how could it not be? Uh, I remember when I came into the program in 2003, uh, Boise, the only bowl game essentially they've been into was the Humanitarian Bowl at that time, now known as the Potato Bowl here in Boise, Idaho. And it was just uh, essentially created, I think, in my opinion, to kind of get Boise State an opportunity uh, to play in a bowl game. Uh, Boise's first uh, year in big boy football in 1996 
um, actually had a, a good enough record to be in a bowl game, won eight games that year, but was left out. And so that's really essentially how that bowl game, I think, was created. And so 2003, going back to my freshman year, uh, that was the first bowl game that Boise was not going to be playing in Boise, Idaho, going to the Fort Worth Bowl, uh, playing against TCU, a formal opponent, obviously. And we thought we were top of the world at that point. And then uh, fast forward three um, years from that, and we're playing in the Fiesta Bowl against a guy like Adrian Peterson in a program like Oklahoma uh, mm. that's got so much history and tradition. Uh, so that's really hard to, to beat on, on the list. But there's lots of great games. Uh, you know, we were part of uh, – I was part of the game where uh, Boise was played uh, Colin Kaepernick in his very first start for the Wolfpack mm-hmm. um, back in 2007. That game actually went to four overtimes before Boise won that game 69-67. to 67, So that was memorable. But probably – I will say my funnest true game, which I'm sure will make you happy. I was in that 2006 season going to the Fiesta Bowl, playing at Utah, and absolutely just laying the wood on the Utes. So uh, that, that those are some of my favorite memories from our playing days. I love that. Yes, I do enjoy hearing that, actually. So the, the Broncos were some of the original. They were the original BCS Busters, uh, something Utah claims as well. But So you played some exciting years. What about when you became an analyst? What's one of your favorite memories as an analyst? Well, really, some of my favorite memories came kind of those first few years is, is doing it. And uh, my first year of uh, calling games with Bob Beeler was Kellen Moore's sophomore season. You know, and Kellen Moore only went 50-3 and three as a starter. Uh, the only three games that he lost, he lost by a combined five points. And there was missed field goals in all of those games. So, I mean, just literally inches away um, from being perfect, being 53-0. and 0, uh, You know, a missed field goal, which a lot of fans will dispute down in Reno that Kyle Brotsman field goal tried to, to put uh, you know Boise State ahead of that game um, should have been good. Instead, the officials uh, claimed it not good uh, at that time. Reno had shorter goalposts, so um, really that whole kind of lead up after the run that we were able to do from my playing career to then Kellen Moore and uh, you know his class kind of taking it to the next level uh, that was incredible. You know, as you BYU fans know. Um, in 1984, when you guys, uh, you know, claimed a national championship, beating Michigan in the Holiday Bowl, uh, how big of a deal that is. And, and for a team that's not necessarily seen as one of those power programs, you know, internally, Boise believes that they are a power program, but uh, externally, they're not. And so for the Broncos to get themselves, I mean, that close to uh, really playing for a national championship uh, was something that I'll, I'll never forget. And uh, that's one thing that Boise State's trying to do is, you know, obviously they haven't reached those levels quite yet. They're still a formidable program, you know, still seem to win 9, 10, 11, 12 games every season. Uh, but can we get back to that next step? Can we get back into a big New Year's Six Bowl game? And can we get into that situation to where maybe Boise is a candidate for the top four for the playoffs? You mentioned it a little bit, a bunch of names, Kellen Moore and and others. But how has Boise State become the program it is today. You mentioned like internally, they feel like they're a power five program. How have they become that strong over the years? Well, I think it's just changed, you know, back in when I was being recruited and I was actually uh, recruited with my twin brother, Jeff, who was able to start every single game of his career. So uh, he was fortunate to avoid injury and, and obviously had lots of playing time. And so it was a great success for him as well. But uh, back when they recruited us, uh, Boise state's recruiting pitch was, hey, you might not meet the measurables of a Pac-12 team or a Big Ten team, uh, but, you know, we want you. We understand that you can do something for our program and and, uh, buy into our culture, be a part of our culture, and, uh, you know, do things the Bronco way. And then that's, you know, you hear a lot of coaches talk about it now. It's kind of cliche, but uh, Coach Peterson was big on our kind of guys, and that's, 
guys that really buy in the system, guys that are selfless, guys will do the right things regardless if you're babysitting them or not, and guys will work hard. And that uh, was essentially what our program was uh, built on, was just a bunch of scrappy guys just out there, you know, scratching, fighting tooth and nail uh, just to win. Um, but I will say also we had some great talent on our teams too. There's quite a few NFL guys that came out of my playing uh, you know, career with Boise State in that era. But now I, I think that recruiting pitch is different. When you look at what Boise State's been able to do about getting guys to the next level, I mean, you look at Demarcus Lawrence, uh, you look at Leighton Vander Esch, you look at Alexander Madison, you look at guys like Jay Jai, you know, there's a lot of big names in the NFL that came through Boise State. And so the recruiting pitch now is a little bit different. We're saying, you know, some of these guys, most of these guys are good enough to play at really any program that they want to. Uh, but the difference is, is they will get on the field in Boise State. They'll play under the lights and nationally televised games. They'll play big opponents like BYU or Virginia Tech, or the Georgias of the world and uh, get developed along the way to where if they essentially uh, follow task and do what's asked of them and work hard and study film and, and work, you know, lift a lot of weights in the weight room that they can make the NFL. And so it's essentially the program has transitioned from, you know, Cinderella story to one of the programs that just seems to put NFL players in year in and year out. I love that. And I think it takes some great coaching and recruiting, obviously, to get players to buy into that type of message. Both of those messages, um, especially when they're not a power five program yet, even though they play like a power five program. What influence do you feel like the coaches over the years have had on building this program? Well, I just think there's just been so much continuity on the staffs throughout the years. And I think if you look at Boise State's historic rise, I mean, there's really nothing like it when you look at it. So, mm-hmm. uh, But it really started with Lyle Smith. He was kind of the, the staple of, of Boise State football way back when. But he laid kind of that foundation and what to build off of. And again, it's a lot of things I, I touched on is just being selfless and being a hard worker and doing the right things you know, on the football field and off of the football field. Uh, but then, you know, when that kind of really started to skyrocket, you look at guys like Dirk Cutter, who, who took the program to the next level. You know, he's his coach in the NFL uh, as a head coach, offensive coordinator. Uh, you look at guys like Dan Hawkins, who did great things at Boise um, and well-respected around the coaching ranks. Uh, coach Peterson, I, I don't have to tell any of your listeners about how much successes he had, not mm-hmm. only at Boise State, but the next level at Washington. Uh, I think it's to be determined to see if we'll, his coaching days are done. And Brian Harson, who you know obviously played under uh, Coach Hawk, Coach Cutter, Coach Peterson, uh, has just been around the program for forever. Uh, Harson also being a local guy from Boise, Idaho, uh, and so he understands kind of the culture and the pride that the community has in that program. And he's doing everything in his power, I think, to keep it going along. And not only that, but uh, when it is his time to leave, hopefully way down the road he'll leave the program off uh, a lot better than he found it. Yeah. Some, uh, he's a great guy. Some awesome coaches have gone, gone through there. And you mentioned consistency. You're hard pressed to not find Boise state in the top 25 year in and year out, especially in this past decade. Is that something that Boise state prides itself in? It, it really does. I mean, you, you know, everyone talks about, you know, defending the, your home field or we say here in Boise, you know, defend the blue for the blue turf. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that goes in in all of college athletics. It doesn't matter if it's a college football Division One ranks or the FBS ranks. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, volleyball at the, you know, FCS level. It, it just it doesn't matter. It takes so much hard work to get to where you're at. And so when you have success like that, uh, you know, really you take a lot of pride looking back on it, you know, reflecting on it, understanding how fortunate, fortunate that was because, 
Um, you know, you'll have a lot of programs win, but every once in a while you might have a, a rebuilding season where you're, you know, seven and six, or maybe you miss a bowl game. But Boise State has simply not had that. I mean, you look at since, uh, you know, the year 2000, Boise State has had uh, 10 or more wins 17 times since the year 2000. And so the only times they weren't able to meet those 10 wins, they've uh, had eight or more wins. And so the worst season essentially Boise State's had since 2000 uh, was you know, eight and four, which, which is phenomenal. And uh, with their win last week against Air Force, actually became uh, the winningest program in college football history, just kind of leapfrogging Ohio State a little bit. So now with the Big Ten playing again and obviously Boise playing BYU on this Friday, uh, you know, those can change a little bit. But again, those are pretty uh, high praise and, and good company to be around uh, for a program at Boise State that's essentially been playing FBS football since 1996. Oh, yeah, that's going to be another phenomenal recruiting pitch for the coaches saying they're the winningest football team uh, in history above Ohio State. That's pretty incredible. You also mentioned the blue turf, the blue turf at Albertson Stadium. What do you know the story behind the blue turf and how it came about? Yeah, it's uh, been about, I don't know, 35 years or so ago. Don't, don't quote me exactly on that, but it's around that timetable. And at the time, Gene Blameyer was Boise State's athletic director, and he was athletic director for the Broncos for many, many years. But uh, essentially it was time to get new turf for the Broncos. And, and back then it was just that green, almost like carpet you have, uh, new sh- you know, shag carpet or just that <laughs> old stuff you have in the Brady Bunch's uh, backyard. So it's time to upgrade that. But obviously the fake field turf, it's really expensive for a team that's resource tight like a Boise State. And so uh, Gene Blameyer, kind of being the smart outside-of-the-box thinker that he is, I uh, thought, well, if we're going to spend this money, why not make it blue? Why not make it work for us? Why not have it be something that we can market with? And uh, a lot of the fans at first were very hesitant about the blue turf, just as it seemed almost gimmicky and it was just different. And uh, football is such a traditional sport. But now that it's been, you know, obviously laying there in the base of Bronco Stadium, now Albertson Stadium for so long, and the amount of home victories that Boise State has had on it, uh, and, and the amount of just pub you get from it as well. I mean, with as much as TV that Boise State's been exposed to, you can't go anywhere across the country, not where Boise State have someone come up to you and, and talk about the blue turf. I mean, it's really looked at, which, which is phenomenal. Again, something that I take pride in. Uh, one of those, you know, top things you have to see in college football, you know, he's talked about the Golden Dome or Touchdown Jesus at Notre Dame. Uh, you know, Boise State's blue turf is right on that list. And uh, so, uh, you know, the teams, once again, have done such a great job of trying to defend the blue, try to win on the blue turf and stay undefeated on that blue turf as, as much as they can. And uh, it's kind of leaned over even to the culture where say, hey, we're, we're blue collar. Uh, we're, we're different. We understand that we're not uh, like any other program. And, and just having that thing that's a little bit different and, and reminds you that, hey, you know, th- we do things differently and also respect our past while we're building for the future. Um, that's, I think, really important for the program. And that blue turf reminds them of that. Besides BYU, and I'm not sure how much Boise State considers BYU a rival at all, but what are some of the other teams Boise State considers their rival? Well, and, and that's something that's really kind of a question here at Boise, too, is who, who are the Broncos' true rivals? I mean, you look at University of Nevada and Reno. Uh, they have grown up through the FBS ranks with Boise State. Uh, you look at teams like Fresno State and San Diego State in conference. The Broncos have clashed uh, with many times. But the way how the Mountain West Conference currently has their conference schedule lined up with division opponents, 
is you'll play a San Diego State or Fresno State or a Nevada Reno for two years and then not face them again for two years unless you meet in the championship game. And so I, I think that takes a little bit of the steam out, uh, the momentum out of having a true rival with the chances of not seeing that opponent again for two years uh, later down the road. And so um, I think Boise did a smart thing with BYU and looked at the Cougars saying, hey, we're only about 400 miles apart. Uh, we have a lot of you know, commonalities between the two programs. Why can't we get some long-term home-and-home uh, scheduling taken care of? And, uh, you know, there's also some debate, too, if BYU and Boise State, if that's a good rivalry for both programs. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, outside of a, a year like this year, it's always going to be a sellout. It's going to be a game where the fans are excited. There's a buzz in, in each city, Provo and Boise. And uh, more likely than not, it's probably going to be a tight ball game, too. Yeah, it, it definitely has been year in and year out. What are what are your summer kind of kind of uh, switching gears here a little bit? What are some of your favorite traditions that fans do on game day in Boise? Well, uh, you know, obviously the, the tailgating scene it kind of starts with that. So uh, you know when you look at what Boise State has on game days, uh, that's the first thing you notice. And so uh, the university will allow tailgaters to typically go onto to campus and park their RVs or their campers or kind of set up their tailgate uh, midnight before, before the game. And so there's kind of a line of cars and everything trying to get to their different spots. Um, and it's just a fun, fun atmosphere. You know, uh, that's one thing that's uh, I think you'll find here in Boise price, very similar like Provo is, is everyone here is very friendly, very accommodating, uh, very welcoming. Uh, so people and fans, even from uh, visiting teams can come and, and mingle around uh, get an idea of kind of what uh, the pregame festivities here at Boise, Idaho, and to be accepted and, you know, be, hey, here's a hot dog or here's a here's a Coke uh, to enjoy. So um, it's pretty cool to be a part of that. And, and so uh, a lot of that tradition, again, I think just goes back to uh, just understanding that that's, this, this is all about community. And, uh, you know, this is a community program. And without the community of Boise, Idaho, Boise State would not be Boise State. And so just to have that support from the communities, have that excitement, um, obviously have that home field advantage that Boise State has. Uh, it just kind of shows you that uh, this program, it's, it's, you know, more than just what happens inside the football uh, complexes. It's bigger and it's, it's a part of Idaho and it's a big part of Boise, Idaho. We're talking to Pete Cavender, Boise State football analyst. Last question for you. You talked about uh, the fan experience at Boise State and in Boise, but when some people think Idaho, they're like, well, what do you do in Idaho? But I've been to Boise and it's actually a really fun town to hang out in. What's your favorite part about Boise just as a town? Well, let, let's not PR Boise too much. It's our the influx <laughs> of people moving in here is already pretty heavy, but uh, no, yeah, it, it's, it's funny. Some, some people talk about, Oh, Boise, is that, that in Iowa? And it's just so kind of one of those <laughs> hidden gems in the Northwest. But uh, you know, when you come to Idaho, you're going to see a lot more than just potatoes. Um, Southern Idaho still maybe a little deserty, almost similar to, uh, you know, kind of the Wasatch front area of, of Utah. But as you know, once you go in the mountains a little bit, um, you don't have to get far out of town and you're all of a sudden out in the beautiful uh, nature with, you know, there's wolves, there's bears, there's elk, uh, there's beautiful landscape everywhere. There's mountain lakes everywhere that you can go on vacation to that's still relatively uh, seclusive. It's just a great place to live. And, um, you know, even though I kind of joked about the influx of people moving in, you know, Idaho is such a big state from a square mileage standpoint, but still less than 2 million people living in this area. So uh, those are some of the things that I really enjoy about Idaho is obviously Boise. It's grown. It's got a 
kind of a downtown buzz to it, which is a lot of fun. It's also a clean, safe town, which is great for visitors and families and uh, to visit. Uh, but just when you just get out of town 15, 20 minutes and it's got some of the most breathtaking scenery in all the country. You didn't do a very good job of downplaying how great Boise was just then. Well, I, you know, <laughs> they should put me on Chamber of Commerce here in Boise, Idaho or something. I don't know. I need, I need something for that. <laughs> there you go. All right, Pete, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, it's a pleasure. Uh, you know, obviously the game hasn't happened yet, but everyone here is really looking forward to it. And I think that's I think the thing that is exciting is, you know, Boise only playing two games. Uh, it'll give a good benchmark to see where the Boise State program is at. And then with BYU's schedule, which give them credit, I think it's phenomenal what they've done, having to completely revamp their schedule last minute and accomplishing what they have. This will be a good test to see is BYU a legit top 10 team or not. So uh, a very important football game for both programs. That was Pete Cavender, Boise State football analyst. And that's what we're talking about right now. Is BYU a legit top 10 team after that blowout in Boise last night? Coming up, we're going to check out what the national media has to say about that with some headlines and reactions from the game. This is Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. And I'm Cole Wissinger, producer here at Cougar Tailgate. We talk about BYU every single week, but we're not the only ones. With each primetime matchup and each victory the Cougs pile on, the national attention is turning to Provo, Utah. I was keeping track of Twitter while watching the game and also checked the headlines this morning. And I put together some of my favorites to kind of bring us outside of of what everyone else is talking about. See what people think about the team that we're so intimately familiar with. My favorite headline, though, comes from here in Utah. It's Sean Walker for KSL wrote, No looking back. Number 9 BYU runs away from number 21 Boise State for a historic victory with, of course, the picture of Tyler Algier's run from the first quarter where he's just kind of looking back a little bit. Hey-o, Perfect wordplay. That is a great wordplay. <laughs> it's it's weird now that the game has happened looking back to a time when we didn't realize it was going to be 51 to 17. CBS.com's article kind of focused on what they thought was going to happen, which was a close game. It's what we were all expecting. Two top 25 teams. The oddsmakers from CBS expected another one possession game Friday night with BYU entering kickoff as a four and a half point favorite. Well, that didn't happen. They took care of it. I mean, it did. They took care of it. Right. If if you if you bet on BYU, you came out on top, even uh, without those four and a half points. Well, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't a one-possession game, that's for sure. I don't know if anyone predicted the third and fourth-string quarterback to come in. I honestly kind of felt bad for those guys a little bit, especially— It gets to the point. Or where you're like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. And I know, like— as a lot of fans, they're like, don't don't feel bad. You know, we want to dominate, and I, I totally get it, and I totally agree. But when you just when you take a look at that young, true freshman quarterback's face, he actually uh, is a return missionary from Texas. Yeah. And uh, so you just take a look at his face, and you're just like, oh, buddy, you've just been thrown into the lion's den, and I am really, really sorry. <laughs> but it was still fun to watch anyway. Uh, absolutely. Now, I mean, look at the quarterback on the other side, right? Zach Wilson gets a lot of the attention here 
and the Draft Network tweeted, BYU quarterback Zach Wilson put on a show last night as his NFL draft stock continues to soar. Find out why we say there is no denying it anymore. Wilson is now quarterback three over Trey Lance. Mm. See, now I have mixed feelings about these type of headlines because I want Zach Wilson to stay for another year. And as I'm sure all BYU fans do, because next year's schedule is very, very well. Back to a normal schedule, we hope. Yes, yes. And this is exactly what I was going to say. Assuming it's going to be normal again next year. It's going to be a tough schedule, and, and I feel like BYU needs Zach Wilson. And if he's in the NFL, what are we going to do then? At the very least, we're going to figure out how to play Utah next year, right? Assuming Utah ever plays a game this year. But, like, I would love to have Zach Wilson for that rivalry game. Yeah, agreed. So we'll see what happens. But but I love I love the hype that Zach Wilson's getting, and especially after last night. It's merited. And, and I think it was merited before, but from a national perspective, they're like, okay— there's more and more national media tweeting about him now. Like they they just went out and destroyed Boise State on the Smurf turf, something that has never been done in BYU's history against Boise State. And it was because of Zach Wilson. He has some great receivers. I'm going to throw that out there. They <laughs> and they offensive some, line yeah, that's Dax getting Mill, some yeah, NFL Gunner credit. Romney, mm-hmm. The offensive line looked phenomenal. So BYU's offense was just clicking. But I think they really feed off of Zach Wilson's confidence. And uh, I just think that's what makes the offense roll. And so he is meriting all the national media attention he's getting right now. Another scout that works for the Draft Network tweeted during the game last night that people are starting to pay attention because they're going to watch Zach Wilson and they're seeing another draftable player on that offense, which is Dax Milne. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think, I I play a lot of fantasy football, and so we talk about stacking your lineup where I have Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, so... When Russell Wilson throws to Tyler Lockett, I get a lot of points. But like in the real <laughs> NFL, how about stacking some players? You saw Joe Burrow now throwing to you know a guy that he was thrown to in Clemson last year, T. Higgins. Do does a team do that with Zach Wilson? Do they pick up Dax Milne or Gunnar Romney in the later rounds? Yeah. So he's already got the chemistry with him. He does, and what a cool story that he's just a walk on. Another Dennis Pitta for BYU in the making. Speaking of T. Higgins, this is random, but he's from Tennessee. And my husband's family from Tennessee, and mm-hmm. he, when he was in high school, a senior, he plays basketball, and not surprising, is phenomenal basketball player. Yeah, yeah. And so he, my husband, went to his high school basketball game, which was packed, just so people could see him. And he's like, "The guy is absolutely insane." I love athletes that can do multiple things. That's a tangent. Random. Keep moving on. I mean, when you're a pro, it's pretty safe to say you're a decent athlete. Across the board. Yeah, agreed. You mentioned that Smurf turf, and that was our colleague Jason Shepard's big takeaway. He mentioned it a lot in the post game, and so uh, he's not with us right now, but we want to bring him up uh, during the show. Jason Shepard tweeted, Shout out, Shep. We never have to hear again that BYU <laughs> has never beaten Boise State in Boise. It is once it happens once, that narrative is over. And that's what we're talking like headlines, narratives, what the media talks about. Check that one off the list. No more. ESPN can never say that again on a broadcast. You know what ESPN is is saying, though? BYU is favored in all of their games for the remainder of the season. Boise was kind of the close one, right? But once you blow that one out of the water, you've got North Alabama with an FPI win probability percentage of 99.7. Oh, 
And yes. then San Diego State. State, who unfortunately fell last night to San Jose State while BYU was also playing. Who's a good team, though? 89% right now, mm. up from what it used to be. I really hope, I would like BYU to pick up one more game against Cincinnati, if possible. I think that would be a phenomenal matchup and a true test for it. Cincinnati is considered a G5, and I don't know if you know BYU is necessarily considered one, but I feel like for the non-P5 teams, that would be a really great matchup to really see where the program is at right now in the season. Tony Jones tweeted out, a guy that covers the Jazz here around Utah and pays attention to other Utah sports, the worst-case scenario possibly for BYU in the postseason is being matched up against Cincinnati in a New Year's Six because that's just pretty much... I mean, those are the two teams that could be bowl-bust yes. in other teams. Right. Don't just sequester them off in their own little bowl game. Let them go up against the big guys. I agree. Let it Or... Or have them, yet, have play them play a game. in the regular season. And then it's a play in, yep. honestly, to the to the playoff, to if, the top four. If I were ESPN, I would be pushing for that game to be happening somehow. So we'll see what happens. BYU has some openings, and I'm pretty sure Cincinnati does as well because I think they have opponents that keep canceling. So let's see if we can make it happen. Those are just some of the headlines. When BYU plays under the lights, people pay attention, and we enjoy talking about it. Thanks, Cole. you the man. All right, I know everybody is still thinking and loving the game against Boise State last night if you're a BYU fan. But coming up next, we're going to be seeing what else is going on around the country when it comes to college football. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. When BYU plays Friday night, it means we get to relax on Saturday. No stress of what's going to happen with the Cougars today. But there are still a few top matchups for fans of college football to watch and pay attention to, especially BYU fans who will keep their eyes on former BYU opponent Houston up against the still undefeated Bearcats, whom Cole, we just talked about in the last segment, would be awesome an awesome matchup for BYU to have. I'd love to see that play-in game, right? BYU versus Cincinnati sometime. But... You know what I would also like to see? Houston just beat Cincinnati today, uh, yeah. and then the Houston win for BYU looks better, and Cincinnati is a one-loss team. It's a it's a win-win I agree. for BYU. And I think Houston has the team to do it. I think they were a very talented team that kind of got caught off guard by BYU, but their quarterback was a phenomenal athlete, so it'll be a fun game to watch. BYU and Cincinnati are not the only two undefeated group of five, like, not Power 5, I guess, teams left. Marshall is still undefeated going up against hey. fellow independent UMass. BYU is familiar with, with the Minutemen mm-hmm. in games past. Also, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers play South Alabama, not North Alabama. That's BYU's next opponent. Uh, Coastal Carolina is still undefeated. They are ranked 15th in the nation. You know who else is undefeated? The whole Pac-12. Everyone in the Pac-12. Because they also are winless because they're 0-0. Zero and zero. But that will change today. You know who uh, doesn't get to play today is the University of Utah. They were supposed to play Arizona, but because of COVID positive tests on the team, they are unable to play today, which I honestly, I feel disappointed for them. That's for any team to work so hard, you know, to be able to start the season in this these very strange times where they haven't been able to get on the field yet, and then the week comes and they, you know, 
they're like, sorry, you guys can't play. That's that's really disappointing, and I, I'm bummed for them. And I was actually excited to see what some of the new guys on the youth could do. guess we're going to have to wait another week. One more week at least. I, I read a few of my favorite tweets and headlines in that last segment, but my favorite funny one from last night is, hey, Arizona already packed and was ready to come up here. BYU's rested in the fourth quarter. Why not BYU just play Arizona today and see what they got? <laughs> hey, I like it. That would be a fun matchup. And they also have former BYU running backs coach A.J. Stewart as Arizona's running back coach uh, oh, now. Oh, so yep, that's a familiar name. Okay, uh, also on the college football schedule, we talk about the fan experience on Cougar Tailgate, and the SEC fan experience is one totally different. The largest outdoor cocktail party, it is UGA versus Florida today. <laughs> a couple one-loss SEC teams trying to be that other SEC team that makes the college football playoff eventually. Uh, today is a big test between two top 10 teams. And then you got Clemson and Notre Dame, both undefeated, playing at 5.30 Mountain Time. That, my friend, is the game that I will be watching. Notre Dame is sort of in the ACC this year. Like, normally that's the other independent, and they're kind of on BYU's outside looking in, trying to bracket bust of college football. But They'll be playing in an ACC schedule. They'll be playing in the ACC championship game if they're one of the top two teams at the end of the year. And so that that's not an independent Notre Dame. That's like an ACC representative. So if you're trying to like count off teams like where BYU falls in the New Year's Six or whatever, Notre Dame put them in the ACC bucket for now. And if they beat a Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson team, then they've kind of put themselves in that uh, top four conversation. Which the Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson team makes Zach Wilson's Heisman hopeful look even better. One less game for him. (laughs) We're going to try to do this a little more often on the Cougar Tailgate, where we step back and take a look at the national look of college football and and bring you a couple national fan stories each week as we uh, take a break, I guess, from Cougar football. Next week... It's a bye week for the football team. We're going to be talking about Cougar basketball as they get ready to start their season after, again, a little bit of a delay because of COVID. But we're all excited to see what Mark Pope is going to put out on the court this year. Mark Pope is a phenomenal human being and a very good coach. And it is still a travesty and a shame that we didn't get to see what last year's BYU basketball team could do. And I'm excited to see what they're going to put on the court this year. There's a lot of hype right now, for sure. Thanks for listening. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast wherever you get podcasts, Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYURadio.org. Let that wind soak in, folks, and enjoy your Saturday. This is Cougar Tailgate. See you next week.